Welcome back to another episode of Life is Full of Daisies, where we talk all things life and becoming the best versions of ourselves. I'm Daisy Ayala, and on today's episode, we are joined by one dynamic and just amazing Latina. Sandra Velasquez is the founder of Nopalera, a Mexican botanical bath and body line based in New York City that is currently sold in Nordstrom. Credo Beauty, and over 300 independent retailers nationwide. Prior to launching Nopalera, she was working as a sales and distribution manager for several CPG brands across multiple categories. In addition to running her company, she works as a mentor to emerging CPG brands and teaches online classes about sales strategy. So y'all, this is just another amazing woman that I'm bringing on to honor Hispanic Heritage Month. It's starting on September 15th all the way through October 15th. And I I really am so excited to be able to share this interview with you all because Sandra is definitely someone that is a great reminder on how Latinas are changing the way that Latino businesses are seen and elevating the way that the way that uh, we do business and how we are seen in doing business because we are just as valuable and we bring just as great quality as any other high-end type of product that is out there and Sandra definitely gives us a great example in just her belief in her company and how she's changing that. She also validates how we as women should support one another and bring each other and uplift each other instead of bringing each other down. And she does this through her mentorship and just sharing all the amount of knowledge and wealth that she has to offer to any any woman out there wanting to learn how to create your own product and really just start your own business and doing it the right way so that you can scale it and be able to um, price it properly and sell it in a bigger market. So y'all, this is a great episode to be able to learn all those things. But y'all, as Latinos are, and her brand really reminds us and especially once you find out what her brand and the meaning behind it all is uh, it truly shows you how resilient we are as a community and just how beautiful it is when you take your heritage and you're able to showcase that through something that you're making and creating um, and is all natural too and putting it in a market that can truly succeed so y'all enjoy this episode it truly has so much to offer to anyone out there but most of all it's a great one to just offer some inspiration to you all and on top of that if you are loving what you're hearing the content that i'm bringing you don't forget to go and rate us on apple or spotify um, with a five-star review or leave a comment on what your favorite thing was about this particular episode or any of the episodes on this podcast because those kind of things help me create and build a bigger audience and platform and I truly do appreciate when y'all go on there and do that and also if you haven't don't forget to follow us on instagram at life is full of daisies that's where i post quite a bit more content and i also you're able to communicate with me via a dm or you can just email me at hello daisy at gmail.com so that you can just email me about anything or if something really inspired you and touched you i always love hearing feedback from all of my listeners but y'all enjoy this episode and i will now leave it to sandra to continue our conversation in just telling us about her company and her why and just her mission so y'all enjoy so we were discussing on how just how latino products are always very undervalued and rated and everyone always expects them to be cheaper but in reality it shouldn't be because they're just as high quality or even better but i i'm excited for you to share your story on like behind your product yeah you made it yes so i mean from the beginning so 
I started my my brand with the end in mind. And that's really advice that I give to anyone who's going to start a company or a brand is to begin with the end in mind. And so what does that mean? It means like you decide in advance where you're going and wh- where product is going to live and who it's for. And then you work backwards. So you work backwards, pricing wise, branding wise, you know, messaging wise, everything. And so mm-hmm. I just say that because a lot of, I see a lot of um, product-based makers, you know, product makers who start their company out of passion, they start making stuff and then they like start selling it immediately. And then, the, and then they're like, oh, but how do I get into these larger stores? And I'm like, you can't afford to, because you did not price it for wholesale. Like you did not take that into consideration. So I just really recommend for anyone out there that's listening who is a product-based business, like really begin with the end in mind. Like think about like, what does your company look like in three years? What does it look like in five years? How does it end? Like, are you creating a lifestyle company where you want to do this forever? Are you, you know, like, or are you creating a business that you're going to sell, you know? And so it's really up to you. Like you get to decide what you want to create. There's no right or wrong, but you mm-hmm. have to care about you what you want. And I think that a, a lot of times, new entrepreneurs, they don't actually think about what they want. They ask like, they ask questions like, well, what are my options? What can I do? And I'm like, you can do whatever you want. That's the answer. So like decide what you want and then work backwards. So I created Nopaleta with the end in mind. I said out loud, I want to create a high-end Latina brand that's going to shelves of Barney's. Those were my actual words that I said to my designer. And so that's what we did, right? I worked on the branding for over a year. Did like, you had many different directions. We we obviously settled on this one with what we call the cactus goddess. And I actually enrolled myself in formulation school. So I actually made all of the products myself for the first year. And that was very intense. <laughs> I bet. Um, yeah. And there was a lot of building, you know, in the quiet while I was working other jobs. So I was working three mm-hmm. jobs working as a sales rep for Van Leeuwen Ice Cream. I was working as a sales rep for High Bar. And I was also consulting uh, for CPG brands at night. I started teaching a class at night. And so I had these like three buckets of income. And one of them was to pay rent. One of them was to like fund my brand. And the other one was to like pay bills. And it was it was hard, right? Because I, I was like, this is not sustainable how I'm living right now, like working three jobs and also formulating at night and on the weekends. And but I knew that it was for a purpose, you know, because I knew yeah. what I was building was going to be big. And when it launched, it immediately attracted everyone to it, like like a flame, you know, yeah. and um, it attracted our base consumer, which is the, you know, 30 year old, like the average age is like the 30 year old Latina eco-friendly consumer. That's like our base. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously it goes beyond that, right? We already have proven a halo effect because we sell to you know, 350 boutiques across 42 states. It's not only Latinas that are buying our product. And no. that was also, yeah. And that's also one of the points is that the purpose of Nopalera is to establish Latina as aspirational and as luxury. And and in that sense, we are not creating a product only for Latinas, right? We're, we're trying to take it, put it on those shelves next to the other Eurocentric brands that have been taking up the shelf space for forever. Where or how did you find out about like the formula? What would you call it? The formulation school? Yes. I enrolled in Formula Botanica, which is a formulation school based in the UK. And um, I discovered them online. I they It's all remote. So you have to do a whole series of coursework and tests and, you know, submit projects. So I did all of that. That was a year. So I basically worked on the form, like study formulation and worked on the branding like concurrently. And um, I didn't even know what the products I was going to make were at the time. I just knew what the mission of the brand was, which was, again, to create this elevated Latina brand. And so at what point did you decide on like what products you were actually going to formulate and sell? 
It wasn't until closer to the end, honestly, where I decided like, okay, I want to make products. I need to keep the SKU set small, you know, because when you launch, you don't want to launch with 12 products. Like that's, it's too much work and it's very expensive. So I decided that I wanted to create products that were, first of all, bath and body. So that mm-hmm. was really important, you know, not... I decided that was actually an actual decision, like not to not to be a skincare brand. And I don't brand we don't brand ourselves as a skincare brand. We are at, that's why it's Mexican Botanicals for Bath and Body. And so I just I wanted the products to go together. So I was like, okay, I can make a soap because that's very zero waste. I also wanted to be conscious of the environment. So it was I, I was really struggling with like creating products that I had to put in plastic bottles. So I you know made soaps and then um, the exfoliant, which is in a glass jar. And then I really wanted a a moisturizer. So, um, you know, I created the botanical bar, which is a solid body moisturizer to replace plastic bottles of lotion. Yeah, I'm going to start searching where I can find it here in Houston. Because I think you also had them in Whole Foods, right? It's Whole Foods, New York City only for right now. Oh, yeah. okay. Well, yeah. I guess I just go online. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The, the, I'm sure we have boutiques in Houston. I can send them to you afterwards. Yeah, because that would be awesome just for me to have products so I can try myself and yeah. want to recommend to friends and stuff like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. And of course, we're wanting support. Um, oh, thank you. Because, you know, we want to make everyone aware of of just other products available for them. But why did you decide not to do skincare? Because it is a quite a saturated market. Yeah, that's exactly why I decided not to. <laughs> That's the answer. Yeah. It's very saturated. It's very competitive. It's very results driven. And in order to do that yourself, it's really challenging. Like you really need to have some chemistry behind it, like some strong, strong chemistry with like results and the testing. It's just more competitive. And I just honestly don't have a passion for fixing people like that is not I don't want to remove your your wrinkles. You know, that's not what I want to be known for. So that's that's one that's those are all the reasons why. Personally, don't have a passion for fixing people's faces. You know, yeah. I'm I'm very much pro aging. You know, I feel like we are saging. I feel like as I get older, I get smarter and wiser, and I love it. And so I don't want to be known for removing wrinkles from people's faces. Like that's not. Yeah, uh, what we want to do. So I, and I really just felt that the biggest opportunity was in Bath and Body. Yeah. And I really love the self care aspect of Bath and Body, because I'm I'm very much that's something that I, I, I can really get behind. Yeah. And like body scrubs and all that. But uh, but one other question is, okay, why nopales? And can you explain to everyone what the benefits behind using nopales yeah. or cactus is or are? Yeah. So the reason for nopales is is multifold. Number one, nopales are an ancient symbol of Mexican culture, right? I call them the most Mexican plant ever. It is on the Mexican flag. And there's a whole beautiful legend as to why they're on the Mexican flag, right? With the aguila and the, you know, the snake in its mouth. So I knew that by creating a brand around the nopal, it would immediately speak to the majority of the Latino population in this country, because all Mexican Americans and all Mexicanos know what a nopal is. We all grew up with it. We all grew up eating it. And so that was, you know, a very cultural, like, centered decision. And then in addition to that, the nopal is also one of the most versatile and sustainable and nourishing crops in the world. And I don't know any other plant that can do what the nopal does. You know, I don't know why aloe vera has gotten all the love or why bamboo has been has gotten all the love. But, you know, the nopal, you can not only use it as a food source, you can make vegan leather out of it. You know, it's mainly a food source in Mexico. But you can also make textiles from it and you can also use it to cleanse your skin and hair. So it just there's there's two parts of the nopal that we use in our product formulations. There is the penca, the green part, which is the part that we eat. So that is 
um, you know, it's a natural humectant. It soothes the skin. It cleanses the skin. And then there's also the aceite de nopal the, that comes from the tuna. And that is known in English as prickly pear oil. And that's a very luxurious ingredient that's very high in um, in vitamin E and other antioxidants and minerals and usually reserved for the face. But we put it in our botanical bar. The nopal is highly regenerative, highly versatile, and also culturally symbolic for, for Mexicans. And it's just from a sustainability standpoint, it is the nopal needs nothing. It just needs sun. It doesn't need special climate. It can grow anywhere. It's versatile. You can make textiles from it. You can use it to cleanse your skin and hair. You can um, use it as a food source. And just the regenerative aspect, I don't think people understand. Like I want to make a video, like a, a time lapse video to show like when you cut off a penca from the nopalera, a new one grows in a couple of weeks. Like it's magic, you know? And uh, so it's, you know, obsessed with it for that reason. I also just metaphorically, I think that because the nopal is everywhere, it has been overlooked as, as you know, what it, what it can do potentially as an ingredient. And I feel like that's a metaphor for us as a people as well. That is true. I feel like Hispanics, Latinos, I think I feel, or any immigrant really is very resilient, but especially our community, like, I feel like it's just like things happen, but we just come right back stronger. Yes, and exactly. Absolutely. So you can cut off the nopal and throw it across the yard and a new one will grow. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. They're like, you can't ri get rid of them, really. You just can't. Yeah. How? So how old is your company? Like, when did you actually, like, kind of take us through, like, the timeline of, like, how it started, you know, from when you started till now? I launched in the middle of the pandemic. So November 2020 is when I launched the company. So we're less than two years old. Um, in, and really, it took off so quickly that it was exciting, but also very overwhelming because I was struggling to keep up. And because uh, I was making the products myself. Mm -hmm. And we, you know, we attracted Nordstrom, Credo Beauty, Free People, over, you know, over 300 boutiques. You know, we've had over 600 boutiques apply to become our stockists. Like these are not people that we sought out. They came to us. And it really just speaks to the power of the brand, right? That's resonating with so many people. And now we are in the process of looking for like the next national retail partner. So like an Ulta or a Sephora, that's kind of what's next for us. Ooh, that's exciting. In your opinion, like with Ulta and Sephora, because apparently, I don't know if it's how true it is, but Sephora tends to back more ingredients or products that are a little bit cleaner versus Ulta. Yes, they. Um, but even between those two, Credo is still the higher standard. They they're much more strict than 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 both of those. And the difference between Ulta and Sephora, I mean, there's a couple differences, right? Sephora is a global brand. They're in 33 countries. Ulta is an American brand, uh, and Sephora has historically been more cosmetic focused, you know. But now they are branching out into other categories, so that gives me some some hope there. Whereas Ulta has been doing Bath and Body forever, so. You know, so it really, you know, we we're gonna we're speaking to both of them. I've already I'm in talks with Alta. I'm presenting to Sephora next week, actually, and um, so we're gonna see what the better opportunity is. Who can really get behind the brand? That's awesome. And then, like your branding, because I'm a sucker for a good brand. Like I, yeah, I, myself, because I started a side business and starting that, like I actually spent time, hired people to help me create actual brand. And, you know, that's a lot of work and there's a lot of psychology yeah. that goes through it. And so like, oh, I yeah. totally have respect for people that take the time to actually bring out products with a brand, with a mission and yes. like packaging. Like I, I love good packaging and y'all's is so cute. Thank you. It's really cute in person too. But yes, that was the, you know, beauty is an aspirational category. So if for, people first have to feel something, they have to feel something 
to incentivize them to even pick it up. So I knew that the branding was going to make or break it. And that was my first investment. And I, you know, to be clear, I had no money when I started this brand. So when I say I made investments in myself, I mean that I use my Amex. Okay. So I really want other people to know that you don't need to wait for you to have all the money because then you will never begin. You know, I know people that are very successful that they have never been able to afford anything that they've ever done. They just, they found ways to make things happen, right? I asked my designer for a payment plan. You know, that's, that's the kind of creativity you need to, um, to kind of enact when you're building something from nothing, you know? That is true. And like, I guess, and that also gives you like even more incentive and motive to truly back and believe like what you're doing is going to make a difference. Yes, you have to commit, right? Like you're committing. Are you doing this or are you not doing this? Because a lot of people out there are scared to spend money. And I get it because a lot of us come from scarcity. I have never had money. No one in my family has money. So I understand. But if you want different results, you have to do different things. That's true. You know, I, I love it because I'm kind of in the same way this last year and a half. I've literally said I'm investing in myself because that is an investment mm -hmm. to bring me more, you know, yeah. more abundance. And yeah, a lot of this stuff is pricey to like actually put it all out there and, you know, work with the different people, getting coaches and all of that to actually structure it because I do not have a business background at all. I have no idea what I'm doing. So, yeah. but you also mentor other women, right? Yeah, because I, three years ago, I started teaching a class to CPG brands, so food and beverage brands, specifically about sales and distribution. And I, I, I pretty much became an expert in that field because I really narrowed in on that specific topic because that was something that I felt uh, was like a gray space for a lot of entrepreneurs. They didn't understand like how do the distributor factor into the whole thing and how to work with them and how much is the cost. And because I work for CPG brands, I had all this knowledge. So I became, you know, a teacher and I really enjoy just sharing information and, and opening doors for people because they're so like your, like your point about, you know, not going to business school or business background. I didn't either. You know, so everything that I've learned, I've had to really like learn and like go out there and actively try to get information from people. And um, I love being that kind of door opener for other people. So I have been mentoring other founders because my story is also very inspiring for other Latina founders who are trying to build brands who also didn't start with any money like me. And I want to tell them, like, here's what I did. Here are the steps I took. And a lot of it has to do with, to your point, like your mindset, you know, like you have to first change how you talk to yourself, how you see the world, you know, and in order to move into a new reality, like you can't, you can't just stay your old self and then get, get new things. You know, you also have to change and not everyone is willing to do that, honestly, you know, and I feel like in the Latino community, specifically, I see like a Jenny yeah. from the block syndrome, which is, you know, people want to stay close to their roots. They want to stay close to who they, you know, who they were. And therefore they're, like they want to be successful, but they're also, they also don't want wealth because then they don't, you know, mm -hmm. then it changes who they are or people are going to judge them or they'll no longer have things in common with the people that they grew up with or with their families. And I really want us all to collectively let go of this idea that in order to stay close to our roots, we have to stay poor. I know. Yeah, I agree. A hundred percent. I actually had this conversation with my therapist because I was talking to her. I completed the two year anniversary of this podcast. And then I also launched my consulting business. And I was telling her I had the hardest time, like everybody kept telling me I'm proud of you, but I myself 
was not proud of my own self because of all these like beliefs from my past and, you know, growing up and people like doubting me or whatnot. And, you know, I had to go through this conversation with her about this whole process. And then she finally told me, she's like, but it's okay. At least you're now aware of it. And you have to realize that you are deserving of all these things. You're putting in the work. You believe in it. Stop telling yourself that you you aren't proud because you should be proud of everything that you've accomplished, you know? Yes. And you are deserving of any all abundance that comes your way, you know, and that you also don't yeah. have to suffer to get to to get to receive abundance. You don't have to suffer to live a good life, you know? Um, and yeah. There's just, we, I mean, a lot of us just grew up with myself included, right? Like my father used to pick fruit in Central Valley. So I, you know, grew up with this mentality of like, work hard, mija, like you just work hard and like, you know, then you'll be okay. But that's just not true because plenty of people work hard and they still don't have money. So let's stop correlating like, you know, working yourself to the bone means like that you are, that's what you need to do in order to be worthy of abundance because it's not true. That is that is so true. It's like, and then she even said it. She's like, it's all these like things that you were told. It's all that negative self talk that you were told. And she's like, why? Why do that to yourself when you you know, like you said, you are so deserving of all of these things. And it's just undoing all these traumas and all the generational stuff that was unfortunately passed down. And she told me ultimately, it's you're undoing mm-hmm. what you know, your aunts and everybody else in your family was, you know, living with. And now you right. are, you feel guilty yeah. for almost like being successful. It's, it's a hard paradigm, but I think, um, like you said, you, it's a, it's a mindset. You just kind of have to have this altering belief and there's imposter syndrome that comes in every once in a while. But I just like you, you just have this ultimate belief. Like, I know this is what I'm supposed to be doing and it's going to help other people. Yes. And I think that really always staying focused on what you're going to do with the results. Like I get really excited about being able to create the Nopaleta grant where I can award grants to other Latin entrepreneurs and pair that with the mentorship that I already provide and resources. Um, That is what I'm working towards. Like I cannot wait until I am the one that's able to give out money to other people because I have won two grants in the last two months, you know, two pitch competitions. And I can't wait to be able to provide that for others. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of mine is scholarships. Like I just want to be able to like give that to other Latinas out there, Um, especially in high school, because it's because of that I got opportunities in high school and even in college and I want to be able to pay that forward. And so that's why I'm like, you know, that's my mission and my why. It's like, I want to be able to help somebody that didn't believe in themselves and be inspiring to them to know that they don't have to live that life that they thought they, that was chosen for them. Yeah. Yeah. So, Hey, more Latinas helping each other out. Exactly. Exactly. With your job, when you were doing, you said marketing and... I was a sales rep. So I was selling, yeah, I was a sales rep for other CPG brands. So I, my last day job was for Van Leeuwen Ice Cream, which is a national brand. Um, and I, you know, it was my, it was, I was the Northeast Territory Manager. So I managed distributors. I sold into accounts, um, very much like boots on the ground. Really great experience. So do you, would you say like being a part of that industry and being able to do all of, of you know, the, the sales part, did that prepare, did some of that prepare you to being able to do what you are doing now? Oh, 100%. Absolutely. And in fact, I, I would argue that everyone has done things in their life that have prepared them in one way or the other for what they're going to do next. And so for me, yes, working in for larger companies and seeing how they operate, um, it just absolutely helped me 
understand the full picture of of what it takes to really, you know, be successful. Yeah, no, that that's so true. And a lot of times I feel like we we tend to like downplay all the struggles or the adversities, but those are mm-hmm. actually very much character builders and they help you grow a lot. Yes, not just character but also real skills. You learn something. I mean, every people are people are so scared to start because they're scared of failure and I'm like that's where you learn, you know, and and failure what does that even really mean? I think it, to me it means like you decided to give up, you know, or you decided to quit. But I have failed so many times in my life. I mean, as a musician, I, you know, not every song I wrote was good. Not every show I played was good. I have forgotten the lyrics to my own songs on stage in front of hundreds of people and thousands of people. So, you know, all of those things have shaped me and have made me stronger and have made me more grateful and have, you know, if you don't have some failures under your belt, it's going to be Mm -hmm. really difficult to start a business because you're just going to be scared the whole time. But once you know what once you realize that you can survive failure, you know, or that you can survive things not going the way that you planned, that's life. That's actually how life is. Like we can't, you know, we plan, but then things change and we have to learn to adapt and learn and grow. Yeah, that's that. That's a very valid point, y'all, because I feel like when I first started this whole like journey, I feel like I always would look at failure and be like, you're right, like afraid. But then I started figuring, I started asking myself, okay, what did I learn from this? How can I improve from this And that's the question I continue to ask myself every day. Yes. And that is because you have a growth mindset. And that is so key to being to building a brand or business or being successful is you have to really want to grow, (laughs) you know, as a person, right? Like to my earlier point, you can't stay your old self and and then have this like billion dollar brand like you have to evolve as a person in Mm -hmm. order to be the leader of that company. That is true. You got to you got to have a funeral. And move on. Yeah, <laughs> you have that's to right. it. Um, that's right. But for you, like, what is what's one of the biggest things that you hear from like the girls? Do you mostly mentor women, or is there men? Okay. Yes. So, what is the biggest area of concern, or where they struggle the most that you're constantly getting asked? Yes, I think one of the questions I get asked the most is about wholesaling. Like, everybody wants to to wholesale their products; they want to sell into stores but they don't know where to begin. They don't know what is required. Um, that's number one. Even more importantly, I think is is the margins aspect. So that's why I actually you know, teach a margins class because if you did not go to business school or you have not ever worked for another business you know, in the finance department, you're not going to really understand how margins and pricing works, right? And so what, what happens is we have all of these makers out there who are pricing their products based off of emotion, right? They're saying, okay, I make candles and I feel like $16 is a good price. And so they price it that way, right? That's not how we price our products, Um, especially not if you want to eventually wholesale it because then you you have set yourself up to not be able to afford the wholesale, right? And so I think, you know, the two biggest things, and those are really kind of related, Mm -hmm. right? So the margins and the wholesale aspect are really interrelated. Um, And Mm -hmm. I think that's that's one big piece. And then the other piece is just, you know, how to generate sales, you know, and the answer to that is like, you have to have a strong brand and you have to have a strong brand that is created in service to your customer. It can't like, my brand is not about me. I show up. Yeah. You see me on TikTok, and, you know, I show up sometimes. Um, and it's very much from me, but it's not about me. I created it for the people that are buying it. And that is one of the huge lessons I learned from being a musician is 
you know, I as an artist, it's all about self-expression. It was all about me and my feelings. And, you know, that's kind of what songwriters do. But when you're creating a product and you're creating a business, it's absolutely in service to your customer. So it did you, st the question I ask mm -hmm. people like is, you know, who is your customer? Who did you create this for? Because the truth is that a lot of people create products for themselves. Mm -hmm. And then they try to figure out how to go sell it to other people. And I'm like, that's a very hard job because I know what that feels like. I was a musician. That's exactly what I did, right? I wrote songs that I liked that expressed what I wanted to say. And then it was like, how do I get gigs? How do I get people to buy my records? How do mm -hmm. I get people to like this, right? Mm -hmm. And when I started Nopalera, it was the opposite, right? I said, okay, what is missing in the market? I did a competitive analysis. Like what else is on shelves in the stores that I want to be in? Like very, very specific. Again, beginning with the end in mind and then working backwards, you know, and really creating a product for somebody for a certain place. Great advice. Like, I mean, for anybody that's actually like starting out their own business, you know, product based. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, I think that those are the main questions that people ask me about is about branding, you know, the margins and then wholesaling. And what, as far as like for your branding, like, did you already kind of know like, okay, I want specific colors or anything, or you just kind of like found someone that you connected with and then just kind of gave them an outline of, of a sort of like what your vision is for this and then go from there? Yeah, it's a great question. And this is actually why I also taught a branding workshop because people don't know how to find designers or what to do when they find them. And, um, so I, the, my designer is actually a friend of mine. So I had worked with her when I was in CPG. I worked with her on another brand that I used to work for. So I already had a relationship with her. So that was uh, really, you know, lucky for me, really fortunate for me that I already knew a fantastic designer. I didn't have to go searching for one. I knew it was going to be her. Like I called her immediately when I had the idea and I told her what we were trying to build. And a good designer, you know, will give you multiple directions, you know? So what you see today as the Nopalera, you know, branding, we had four other directions that are completely different. Like they don't look anything like that at all. And um, so a good designer will give you multiple directions, but you as the brand owner and founder and visionary have to come with the vision because that's another mistake that I see brand, uh, you know, founders making is that they they think that they're going to find a designer and the designer is going to make them a logo. And that's what that's what that process looks like. The real process is that you as a visionary have to write down your vision. You have to make a deck that outlines here is our why. Here's why we exist. Here's who this is for. Here are here are our core pillars of why we exist. Here's what we're trying to accomplish, etc. Yeah. Like I had a whole presentation deck mapped out that I presented to her because you need to give them the inputs so that they can be the visual translator of your vision. They are not the visionary. You are, right? So you have to come with the vision. And that's, again, why so much of the pregame work is so important, like really deciding who are you making this for? Why does why do they need it? Why should anyone care? Like, who are your competitors? You have to do so much work in advance before you even start creating. And so I came to her with a full presentation deck and I told her exactly what I didn't give her any guidelines except for like, here is Here's who, you know, everything that I just told you. I didn't tell her what colors to choose. I did tell her that it's going to be colorful because this is a Mexican brand and we need it to be very colorful and bold. And I need to be very much in your face that this is a proud Latina brand. Like there can be no question when you look at this, like, is this a Latina brand? You're going to know just by looking at it. And I think that we achieved that.
Uh, you definitely did because immediately I was like, oh, okay, I, I like this. And I mean, like I was telling you, I was like when I was doing my brand, it's like there's my uh, the person that did my stuff. She actually like gave me a whole questionnaire and then, you know, we went from there as far as like the vision of it. But then she even went into telling me once what the psychology of the, the even the fonts that we're using, yeah. the colors that we're using, all of these things. I was like, oh, okay. Exactly. Exactly. It's much, it's, it should be a very, very detailed process and it should mm -hmm. take a long time <laughs> yeah it took me a, i think a year to finalize everything yeah yeah so i'm sure yours was was also uh mine was quite... a year yeah no mine was a year it took a year yeah because there's a lot of like decisions and all these final tweaks and stuff that you have to make I, absolutely um, oh yeah because i i'm i don't make decisions very well but it's like i had to figure it out and be like no this is what i want and once i saw it i was like okay mm -hmm. now we're on it yeah yeah, and then you were fine. Yes, I was like, I finally was like, this is it. This is it. I knew it, and we were done. So for you, what does it, since it's Hispanic Heritage Month, what does being a Latina mean for you? You know, it's an interesting question. I get asked this every time Hispanic Heritage Month rolls around. <laughs> and um, I grew up in San Diego near the border, like 10 minutes from the Mexican border. And mm -hmm. I grew up with a lot of Mexican people, and Chicano culture is yeah. really strong here. And so when I moved to New York, it was like culture shock because, yes, there are Latinos, but I was like, where are the Mexicanos? And most of all, where are the Chicanos? Like, there's none. You know, I felt like an anomaly there and it was a real eye opener. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I it just kind of reinforced my own identity of like who how I feel about myself, because I very much feel like a border yeah. person. Like I grew up near the border. I grew up crossing the border frequently. You know, you, you could go to Tijuana for lunch you know, and mm -hmm. just kind of like living, you know, in such proximity and being yeah. able to go back and forth. Um, that's very much a part of my identity. And growing up, you know, speaking Spanish and English and Spanglish and listening to Cumbia as well as La Zeppelin and just having this real like bicultural border identity really mm -hmm. um, is I, 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 I identify as Chicana because that is who I feel like I am, you know. Um, so, you know, for me, I have a different experience than other Latinas, right, who maybe grew up in Mexico or in other parts of Latin America because I grew up near the border and that's a very specific identity, you know, and experience. It is because I grew up, I mean, I was born in, in Mexico, but I came here when I was six years old and I grew up mm -hmm. in central Texas, like middle yeah. of nowhere. So there was not a lot of like Latino influence. So I feel left out sometimes because it's like I didn't grow up that way. I just grew up mm -hmm. like how my parents were. And so mm -hmm. like, I'm a little confused sometimes and a little out of place half of the time, but you know, I, I'm, <laughs> I make my own path and we're good. Yeah. Yeah. We all do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we probably could keep talking forever, but I want you to, I always ask any of my um, guests to give any words of wisdom or just some advice to anybody listening out there. It could be related to business or just like advice, general advice. Yeah. I have so much advice to give, <laughs> but, um, so I'll, I'll pick some like the highlights here. So number one, I think it is so important to surround yourself with people that want to see you win. And I, one of the main changes that I made in my life in the last two years is I joined a mastermind and I found myself a new squad and I meet with my squad uh, once a week. We're all in different cities. So it's like two people are in Texas, someone is in LA, I, you know, and one's in San Francisco yeah. and then there's me in New York. So we meet weekly on Zoom to update each other, like progress. Mm -hmm. We hold each other accountable. 
And it's nothing but love and high fives and support. So you cannot, if you are around people that are saying things like, you know, you know, oh, that must be nice. Or like, how are you going to do that? Or just anything that is really a, re- yeah. a reflection of their own lack or scarcity, like that is not mm-hmm. going to help you grow. And so that means that, yes, you might have mm-hmm. to let go of some old friends, <laughs> you know, which is not easy for people. But we are all products of our environment. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you just said, Daisy, that you grew up and your family was like, that's what you knew. Right. All of us are products of our environment. And even as adults, you know, this is why you know, CEOs hang out with other CEOs. This is why celebrities hang out with other celebrities. It's why sports people hang out with other sports people, et cetera. Right. And so you need to go, you need to surround yourself with people that love to see you win, that want to help you win, that ask how they can support you and that you are doing the same, right? It's a reciprocal thing. It's not a, it's not just a taking, it's a, it's a, it's a reciprocal relationship. So that has transformed my life. So getting a new squad, you know, is uh, really important. And even if you have to pay money to put yourself in new rooms, like you need to meet new people because if you just stay in your, in your, in your town and you only know, you just hang out with the people that are there, then you're never going to know what else is possible, you know? So that's number one. So number two is to spend time every day visualizing what you want and who you want to become. And this is a practice, right? You don't just do it once. You know, you have to do it. It's a practice because you want to normalize your future self and your future life so that when it happens, it feels totally natural because you've already been visualizing it. You're just stepping into it. And um, so I do this every day. You can do this in any form that you want. You can, you know, do a walking meditation. You can do a journaling. You can actually meditate, whatever. But if you just get up and just stay in your same cycle, nothing is going to change. And nor should you be surprised if nothing changes. (laughs) You know, you have to actively write and create your own future and visualizing what it's going to look like, who is next to you, what are you wearing? How does it feel now that you've accomplished the things you want to accomplish? I think normalizing the feelings is actually step one. So I spend a lot of time every day, or not a lot, but like 15 to 20 minutes every day, visualizing what it's like when my company is a $100 million company Um, and really normalizing that, you know, so that when it happens, it's not going to feel like a surprise or it's not going to feel overwhelming because it's what I have been creating. That's amazing advice. I need to start doing that every day. I do it every week, but I don't do it every day. Yeah, I just do mine in the mornings. I find that that's when it's the best time uh, when my brain is fresh. So I just do like a 15 minute uh, morning meditation. Um, and really visualize, you know, what 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 my future looks like and who I am in that future and what it feels like is the most important thing. Because, you know, people say they want things, but I'm like, okay, let's say you have those mm-hmm. things. How do you feel now? What does it feel like to have those things? And so it's that feeling that you want to really connect with. Um, and so when I think, when I ask myself, like, what does success look like or what does it feel like? To me, it feels like I'm calm. That's the feeling. Because it means that I'm no longer struggling to pay bills. I'm no longer, you know, thinking about how am I going to pay for this procedure or go to the dentist or my daughter for college. Like, I just feel calm. Success to me feels calm because I know that everything is covered. And I can really provide, you know, for my family and uh, and my community. So that's number two. And then number three is the business advice, which which I said earlier, which I'm going to repeat, is to begin with the end in mind. And so that is requires you to really sit, you know, 
put some time on your calendar to really allow yourself to dream. Like, what do you really want, Daisy? Like, what do you really, really want? And then after you write that down, write down what you really want. (laughs) You know, like be very honest about what you want and what you want to create for your business and um, and then work backwards. So like if Daisy in three years has, you know, this type of business, okay, what does Daisy need at that stage? She needs like a team. She needs like systems. She needs, you know, what, whatever it is. Right. And just working backwards um, because otherwise you're, what you're doing is you're creating a business with your current limitations in this moment. Uh, that's true. That's great advice for like any entrepreneur. So, th- I mean, I could go on and on, but those are the three main things. <laughs> no, that's awesome. No, I loved it. I mean, like I said, it's just amazing how the universe just sends you the right people, especially when y'all are in the right alignment. But one of the biggest things that I am very happy that you mentioned is how you need to find people that are your your like-minded people, yes. but they're going to help elevate and may help you push to grow um, because you're, you know, I, I've spoken about this on my podcast where I've recently had to like this last mm-hmm. year weed out a lot of yes. fr- people that I thought were friends, but honestly they were holding me back. And I've started now, I have my solid like business minded people that I talk to and I hang out with so that, you know, we, I can bounce ideas off of it. And then I have my supportive Mm -hmm. friends that are always like, they're just my cheerleaders and they've, I've known them for years, but it's so different when you get rid of, and that includes family. Sometimes family can hold you down. Um, and that, that's so important. And, you know, I'm glad that you highlighted that because Mm -hmm. I think people have a hard time grieving or letting go of that. But if you, the only way to kind of grow and elevate to what your full potential is, is, is letting go of some, all of it. Exactly. And it's hard, right? Because this is back to the point of like the Jenny from the block syndrome where people think like, I don't want to let go of my childhood Mm -hmm. friends, or I don't want to let go of my, you know, my family members because that's who I am. Right. Um, But Mm -hmm. you can, you, you get to decide (laughs) what, what your future looks like. And you really have the power to write your own story. That is true. And and I, a lot of it, from what I'm learning, is that it's this fear yeah. that we have internally. Deep down, it could be subconscious fear of us, like, truly growing and outgrowing, what, you know, who we were and who, who we thought we were. Because also some of those people, friends, family, can be what continues to hold you down because mm-hmm. they're going to be the naysayers. Yeah. They're going to question what yeah. you do. And then you exactly. start questioning what you're doing. So it's like a cycle. But, you know, uh, Sandra, thank you so much for like coming on, sharing all your wisdom, sharing your business. And I'm definitely I'm going to be going out to look for your product because I'm like, I need to try this. I'm always looking for lotions or stuff to moisturize my hands. Mm, Yes. Perfect for that, especially in Texas where it's so dry. Oh, yes. Right now we're struggling, but definitely going to be going out. And I actually might, um, I mean, I'm going to be sharing it with everyone because I'm all all about, you know, like I said, highlighting, especially Latina based um, business owned companies and especially companies that are more wholesome and more natural and truly clean. Yes. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for, for the opportunity to share the story and for for inviting me here. And this wraps up this week's episode of Life is Full of Daisies, y'all. I truly hope that you enjoyed it and you learned so much, especially if you are creating your own product and brand. And um, this was quite a great conversation that I had with her. Very eye-opening and also just very exhilarating to be able to have other women that are also in that same um, area of life that are creating something and they 
um, and just seeing Sandra's passion for it truly warms my heart to be able to share that with all of you. But if any of you want to reach out to her, I'll be leaving all her information in the episode info. So wherever you're listening to this particular episode, um, just look below in the info and I'll leave um, her Instagram handle, her email. That way you can reach out and ask her any questions. Um, but y'all, again, and it's great to be able to share these kind of stories and these kind of um inspiring um, women, especially for Hispanic Heritage Month, because again, it's something to be said to be able to unite people. But whenever we can continue to grow and show each other support in what we're doing, I think that that's when we're able to change the derivative and change the, the the narrative of how Latinas are seen, honestly, and just how women are seen. I think women in general, we should always be uplifting each other and trying to create something together versus being in competition because there's plenty of room for all of us to succeed. Um, and just finding your people to help you create that those businesses and making sure you have people that are constantly going to be in your corner and can talk business with you to help you grow that business. So y'all, Again, it's been an amazing time, and y'all just enjoy the rest of your week. Hopefully, I gave you some things to think about and just jot down. But y'all, it's been amazing. It's been fun. And if no one has told you today or lately, you are loved, you are worthy, and you matter. So go out there and do something amazing. And don't forget to be kind along the way, especially to yourself, and do an act of kindness. Bye!